Welcome to the Reaching In Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor David. The Reaching In Podcast is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Newport News, which focuses on your spiritual growth with an emphasis on sincere devotion, lifelong discipleship, and authentic discussion. Welcome to the Reaching In Podcast. Welcome everyone to the third That's right, episode third of our All About Jesus series. So welcome back. It's good to be back. Another week in the books. But Anita, you had a burning question, burning, that you wanted to ask. Well, this week we're going to be talking about Jesus being the everlasting father. And we'll go into more detail about what that term means, or what that name or his character Uh, what it means. But my question is, David, have you ever been first at anything? Have you ever created something? Have you ever been the founder of something? Or have you ever just shown up first to something? Well, I believe that you and I both share this in common. I'll share two. One, both Anita and I are the founders of the Reaching In podcast. (laughs) So we are the originators of this podcast. So that's one. Uh, but far more important is this week I had an assignment for school at Calvary Chapel University, and I was the first student to leave a comment on this week's podcast episode. Oh, wow. So I was first. How wow. about that? Did you get something for that? Absolutely. Like, yes. I was. I had recognition as, well, no. No. Your no. professor didn't say like, hey, no. I noticed that you turned it in like two minutes before this person. It, just was, it actually felt kind of lonely because there were no comments, and then I finish typing mine and then I couldn't respond to anybody else's so it's kind of lonely being first at the it's, top it's lonely at the top yes it's lonely yes what whole, about you Anita whole five minutes that you held the spot I guess hey I don't want anyone to feel inadequate hearing how I was first but folks in the comments have you ever been first in anything and if you're the first person to leave a comment on this podcast just type in first yes and we will give you a shout out maybe <laughs> I, I think we can do that. I much. think we can do that. I think we can do that. Oh, I remember when I was a kid that uh, we had a food lion open up right near our house. Like it was walking distance wow. from our house. And so, you know, that's big. You know, that's a big deal when you have nothing else going on. So anyway, we were one of the first families in the new food lion. Mm-hmm. And there was some sort of raffle contest thing. And my brother signed up and he won a car. A car? Yes. An automobile? No. No? <laughs> it was one of those, you know, like the kid cars. Like the little kitty ones, you know, like the Barbie Jeep or something like that. So it was like a Power Wheels? Um, was it like motorized? Yes, like, yes. That a kid could sit in? Yeah. There. And I was the only one in my family small enough to actually get inside of it at the time. So, but it was a tied car, like the... Laundry, yeah, the laundry like detergent. a NASCAR? Similar, yes. Okay. But it had tied on the side of so it. So your brother wanted it, but he, you drove it. Yes, because I think at the time he was probably 20 and I was 7. So, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't getting it. But I could. Wow. So, food line. So I was our family car. was the first one and he won a car. That's Folks, it's exhilarating here at the Reaching In Podcast with us hitting first. Now, 
we are interested in hearing about your first experiences. Maybe you were athletic and you got first in a race or something like that. I know like I know how excited people get when they're the first ones at stores when they're opening up. There was some article recently where these guys they wanted a PS5 and so they camped out right. side of the GameStop. I mean with beds and everything. With beds and everything. Yeah. And so I was just like, "Wow, that is some dedication right there." But they were they were the first ones. They were the in first. There. Well, folks, as Anita mentioned, we are in part three of our All About Jesus series. And so we want to go back to the theme verse for the series, which is Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, which says, for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so this week we want to talk about Jesus whom this is a prophecy concerning Jesus as our everlasting father. Last week, we talked about Jesus being the mighty God, how he was mighty in his ministry and in the miracles, signs and wonders, and that he is the revelation of God, that he is God. There is no, there is no distinction. Uh, Jesus is not a separate deity. He is the son, the father, son, and spirit, three in one. Jesus is God. And so today we wanted to talk about him being the everlasting father. And so as we go right into it, the first thing I, I, I looked at is the actual words to see what was the Hebrew behind everlasting father and everlasting in the Hebrew is ad and father in the Hebrew is av. So it's ad av, the everlasting father. Uh, some translations have it as father of eternity, which mm-hmm. you can say that as well. And everlasting means forever into perpetuity, eternal regarding time, or it could be unending in in regards to degree. And we see this same word ad or everlasting in Exodus 15 verse 18, which says the Lord shall reign forever and ever. Pretty much anytime you talk about forever and ever, just put in the word eternal and anything that's eternal is God's territory because God is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. He has always been. And so he is everlasting. And then we get to father and that's Av. And the word here Av is either used two different ways. It can be used literally to describe like this is my literal father or it could be meant figuratively. And so Anita, what is the figurative use of father in this particular case? Anyone who's keep, who keeps up with American history, you've heard the term founding fathers. We talk about George Washington or Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson. Well, the Bible is actually where that term originated because you can go back into Genesis and there's a few examples there of how you'll have a certain person, a man. I've actually and, got those for you. Okay. Uh, Genesis chapter four, verse 20 and 21. It says in verse 20, and Ada bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. Verse 21, his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. Yes. So it's not saying that this person fathered like a thousand children. Right. But what it is saying is he was the first to do whatever the act was and that everyone else kind of followed his example, followed suit. Mm -hmm. You know, we can have, um, the idea is pioneers, originators, founders. That's the term that is mentioned with 
fathers. Um, in my research, I also came across city fathers, also being another term that people will use. Mm -hmm. But it comes from the Bible with people being the originator of a certain act. Right. Right. Absolutely. Founder, father, um, head of a household. It can mm -hmm. mean head of a group, family or clan, the originator or the generator. So in essence, Jesus is being prophesied as the everlasting founder or everlasting originator. And as we talk, we're going to discuss what exactly did Jesus found or originate? Find. Find. <laughs> yes. So we see here that in scripture, Jesus is one with the father. We kind of talked about it last week with the whole mighty God. But just to reiterate in John chapter 14, verses eight and nine, we'll see the oneness of Jesus with the Father. John chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. And it says, Philip, one of the disciples, said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus replies in verse 9, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And so here we have Jesus being questioned by one of the disciples, you know, the disciples, you know, man, if we could only see God, you know, Moses was the, was the one that spoke to God face to face and all these old Testament prophets, they had these great experiences with God. And so they're in the very presence of the God man himself. And they're asking Jesus, could you show us God? Cause if you show us God, we'd be really, it'd be, that's all we ever wanted to see, like to see God. And Jesus replies, you mean to tell me this whole time you've been with me and yet you're asking, show us the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. So Jesus is the, he's one with the father. He is the image of the father. He is the revelation of the father to mankind. And so if you want to see what the father looks like, it's, it's similar though, though this is not an equivocation here. I don't want to, this is not apples to apples, uh, comparison, but my wife has seen pictures of my little brother and I, and she's seen pictures of my dad. And we, some people have said that me and my youngest brother are spitting images of our father. Yes. That if you look in my face, you pretty much see the face of my father. And for many sons, that is a, <laughs> it is a cruel reality that as much as you may try. Not so cruel. It's sometimes, it's just a little, you know, cause you think you're so cool. And then you, re you look in the mirror one day and you're like, oh my gosh, it's my dad. Like. <laughs> right in my face. So Jesus is the perfect revelation. There isn't a greater revelation of God. If you want to know God, you know, you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Okay. Jesus also point number two is that Jesus is the author of everlasting life, author of everlasting life. And we see this in John chapter 10, John chapter 10. Let's go over there. Verses 27 through 30, John 10, 27 through 30. It says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Keep going. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. Mm. I and my father are one. So again, Jesus and the Father are in unity. There is unity between the Son and the Father. Also, Jesus gives them eternal life. Everlasting life isn't 
isn't something to grasp after ourselves. It isn't like looking for the fountain of youth or something. Everlasting life is found in Jesus. So if you want everlasting life, just like we just said in the previous point, if you want to know God, you have to know Jesus. And if you want eternal life, Jesus is the only one who can give it to you. Anita? Yes. And even back at John 14 in verse six, Jesus told him, I am the way, Mm -hmm. the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So Jesus is already making the claim there that he is the way to the father. He is the way to salvation. It is not going to come through any other means. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you want to know God, you got to know Jesus. And if you want everlasting life, if you want an assurance that I'm going to live forever with God, you need Jesus in your life. There's no way to be assured of eternal life apart from Jesus Christ, because he says, I give them eternal life. And if he's the one that's giving it out, you need to receive it from him. So I think that we have established that Jesus and the Father are one. Mm -hmm. I hope that we've also been able to communicate that this is still, there's still a trinity. So we're not talking about a unity here. We're talking about Jesus is still the son, Mm -hmm. but he also is equal with the Father. The Bible does tell us that in other places as well. But what about this idea of him being the founder Mm -hmm. or the originator? What does that mean? Well, Jesus came to do a new thing. You know, Jesus didn't just come to do the status quo. His teaching was different. He taught as one that had authority and not as the scribe. So when Jesus came on the scene, it would, many people try to regulate, relegate Jesus to the realm of just another teacher or another rabbi. But that's not the case because when he came in, he shook up everything in the world. Mm -hmm. He shook up the religious world. He shook up the business world. He shook up the government. I mean, he became... The, the one that we declare time by, you know, BC is before Christ. Okay. And so Jesus didn't just come in to just do what everybody else was doing. John the Baptist, when he came on the scene, John the Baptist humbled himself before Jesus because he said, someone greater than I has come. And so Jesus is the founder of new things. And so you're right to ask the question, well, what did Jesus do that was so new? And we know that if you go to John three sixteen. John 3.16, which many of us as Christians, it's the first scripture that we we hear. You often hear it in regards to salvation. And it is, of course, a great verse. The whole gospel is, is in a nutshell in this. But in verses 16 and 17, it reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that is Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So Jesus is the one through whom we get eternal life. He's also the one that keeps us from the condemnation that's going to come upon the world. He didn't come to condemn the world, but that he is our avenue of salvation. The Old Testament system, the Mosaic law, it was a whole system of sacrifice in order to continuously shed blood so that we could have our sins covered so that we can maintain a relationship with God. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, comes to install a new covenant, a new way to relate to God that is not like the old way, superior in every way. And I found a passage in Hebrews, Hebrews 9 Mm -hmm. verses 11 through 15. It says, 
But Christ has appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered the most holy place once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, Mm. having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works so that we can serve the living God? Therefore, he being Jesus, meaning Jesus, he is the mediator of a new covenant Mm -hmm. so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance because a death has taken place for the for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Mm -hmm. And this talk of covenants is it's a it's a divine agreement between God and man. You have conditional covenants and you have unconditional covenants, okay? And the Mosaic Covenant laid out the law, including the Ten Commandments, that if you were to do these things, that you'd be pleasing to God. And unfortunately, we could never follow it well enough, perfectly enough. And so we had to have these, sacrifice these bulls and these goats and had to have the high priest go in on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, to make atonement for himself, because he's a sinner, and for the nation of Israel. But as Anita, you just read in Hebrews chapter nine, Jesus, he is the founder of a new covenant. Instead of the old Mosaic covenant and the law coming to God on the basis of law and that covenant, we come to him on the basis of his works, his finished work on on the cross of, of Calvary and in the shedding of his blood, not the blood of bulls and goats, which only covers sin, but the blood of Christ, which can wash us and cleanse us and, and, take, we, away. and take away the offense. Amen. And so Jesus is the father or founder of the gospel. If anyone preaches the gospel to you, or they say they know the gospel and they don't mention that Jesus, Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, you did not preach the gospel. The gospel is founded upon Jesus Christ. And we also see in Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, it says in him, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And so, Anita, as you were saying, he's the father of redemption. He didn't just do miraculous signs and wonders. He didn't just teach in a superior way, but he bought us back Mm -hmm. because someone had to pay for those sins. And so Jesus paid our penalty with his very life and blood so that we could be redeemed. Redeemed is a financial term to buy back. So he bought us back. So he's the father of redemption. And that we have redemption through his blood. We see see the same sentiment in Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. The same thing that's said in Ephesians. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So blood has to be shed. So Jesus has to be born. He has to be God in human flesh so that he could bleed and die. You see what I'm saying? You know, we're getting ready to celebrate the Christmas, the birth, the birth of our savior. And sometimes people will wonder, you know, why did Jesus have to be born as a baby? And why did he have to grow up? Couldn't he have just come as a, as a full grown man or couldn't he have just sacrificed himself in heaven? No, in fulfilling the prophecies of old and in demonstrating his love to us, he wanted to show us that I've paid the price for you. 
So when you have those thoughts thinking, man, I'm not saved or, or man, God, what I did was too bad. Remember the blood of Jesus. Remember that he is the father of salvation. The only means for salvation comes through the blood of Jesus. And if he didn't bleed and die, then you would wonder whether or not your sins were forgiven. But we don't have to wonder because that blood was shed. And the assurance that that transaction was accepted is the resurrection. Jesus rising from the dead, showing us that Jesus's life was acceptable on account of our sin. And so let's take you to two more passages. Uh, Nina, did you want to add anything before I go to these next two passages? In my research, I was able to um, find uh, one, one person was talking about how there's three things that we can learn about Jesus as the everlasting father. And he mentions that he is the founding father of a new creation, mm-hmm. you know, and it reminds me of when the Bible says that the old has passed away, behold, all things become new. So he, he is now f- with his salvation, with the cross and, and with salvation, he is now the founder of our faith of this regeneration that happens within us. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's the originator of all of those things. Um, we just talked about the other thing the person said was the, he's the founding father, everlasting father of a new covenant. Mm-hmm. And so we just talked about that, but he also, the third thing that he said that we can learn about Jesus as the everlasting father is that he is the founding father of a new clan of people. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting too, and in how the church is supposed to look and how diverse we're supposed to be. It's no longer, you know, if you think about ancient tribes, you know, everybody looked the same. Everybody spoke the same language. Mm-hmm. But with this clan of people, the church, we should all, we should look different on the outside and we should maybe even speak different languages. And we're all across the globe as far as those that name the name of Jesus Christ and follow him and have surrendered their lives to him. But um, we are still united in Christ, and he is the founding father of that idea, too, that we can all be different on the outside, Mm -hmm. but because of him, we are united. Right. And so we're all brothers and sisters by virtue of the fact that we have the same father. We have the same daddy, you know, Um, because we have the same daddy, we are in the same family. And if we don't have the same father, then someone could say you're illegitimate, you know, but because we are not, it's not about DNA. It's, it's about spiritual DNA, not physical, literal blood, but the blood of Jesus. And by faith, we've been engrafted in and adopted into this family. And so regardless of, you know, there were people in Bible times that were saying, well, if you can't, you know, um, trace your line through Abraham, you're not one of his, but Jesus said, it's, it's not about your physical marks and signs. It's about whether or not you have him in your heart because no longer will God dwell in temples and things made with hands. He's going to dwell in our hearts and he's going to write his law on our hearts and he's going to bring in all people. You know, he was, when he first called Abraham or Abram at the time, Mm -hmm. he said, I'm going to raise up a people that's going to bless all people through you. One is going to come who's going to bless everyone, not just the people of Israel, not just the Hebrew people. Yeah. I wonder, and David, you know that we've had this conversation recently, but I wonder if there are things in the Bible that kind of fall flat on us that we don't fully understand the definition of it or, or the the meaning behind it. 
-hmm. and even saying like that Jesus is the founder of a new clan of people and that now you can have diversity that comes together in unity. I think that that sometimes gets lost in us because one, we live in the United States of America. So we've been hearing that if you've grown up here, you've heard it since childhood that the whole melting pot idea, then it turned into a salad bowl, salad bowl. then it's, it's all different kinds of things. <laughs> but we, we haven't grown up. Some of us have, some of you listening may have grown up in a country where that was, that was the country. Everybody pretty much looks the same there, but in the United States, we know it's different, mm -hmm. but in biblical times, I think these words were different for them because they knew that they had their people and then there was another group of people. But to now hear that, no, all of these people can be mm -hmm. children of God um, probably meant something different to them than it does to us. Uh, definitely, because when you were born, I mean, so many things were already set in stone. There wasn't a lot of class mobility. So if you were born into a rich family, well, great, you were born into rich. But if you were born as a poor person, if your parents didn't have wealth, if you didn't come from a wealthy line, if you didn't know somebody that knows somebody, if you didn't, there wasn't a lot of ability to be like Aladdin or something. You and mean go in from, the Bible? Yeah, I'm talking in the Bible. I'm saying, and in biblical times, I'm saying, in those days, you couldn't just pull yourself up by your proverbial bootstraps. For the most part, if you were a woman, you were relegated to certain things. If you were a child, you better hurry up and learn a trade and, and get to doing things and hopefully you can stay alive if you're a man or a woman i mean you you had to scrape and do what you had to do now if you were born into nobility that's great and if you could have if you had a gifting or a talent that's that's wonderful but there wasn't the kind of class mobility that we have today and so you're right to hear that you can be related to god like instead of just i'm related to that that guy over there who if only he was but you know sometimes to, to, to bring it back to a natural example I'm a product of my mother and father. Their genetics is what I inherited. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't win the genetic lottery. You know, I don't I don't have some of the metabolizing agents that other people have. Um, there are certain things about me that are just it's a, it's a, it, I'm a product of them. And there's nothing I can do about it. But imagine if God says, you know what, regardless of what you are physically, I will adopt you into my family. So from here on out, don't re reckon yourself dead to the way you used to identify yourself. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you are, barbarian, Scythian, Greek, Hebrew, doesn't matter. You're now my son or my daughter. And it brings us to 1 John chapter 3. It ties in really well. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him, speaking of Jesus. Beloved, now we are the children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And so we're able to be called children of God, not just God's creations. You know, we're born in sin, we're shaped in iniquity, we're children of Adam. That's who we identify with because that's our founder. But when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you replace, you remove that whole founding through Adam mm -hmm. and you bring upon a new life in Christ that is founded in him, not in the blood, not in the fallenness of Adam, but in the newness of Christ. And that's the life that we're called to to what you were speaking about. And I don't know, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm processing it and just getting it more and more, but 
we're saying that he's the originator. Yeah. Like this is a new thing. This yeah. is the first. So even with salvation, yes, on the outside, you still look the same, but on the inside, mm -hmm. you are totally new. Jesus mm -hmm. has started something new in you. Um, yeah. with, with salvation, it's a new covenant that is being made with God. It's not the old way of doing things. It's not the works and, and the laws, not to say that those things, not to say that the law was completely he ignored, fulfilled it. But yes, yes, exactly. He fulfilled it. He completed it with mm -hmm. what he did yes. on the cross. And so it's interesting to think about, like, I wonder how often we ponder this in the right way, that this is not a continuation of what was before. Mm -hmm. This is new. Yeah, you are in Second Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Yes. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And you're absolutely right. But you know, when you get something new, sometimes you're sometimes we're reticent or we're reluctant to use it. Sometimes it's it's uncomfortable because it's new. It hasn't been broken in yet. And a lot of times as Christians, when we become new in him, we don't always know how to act or how to respond. Mm. But you're right though. We should spend time thanking God that he's engrafted us into his family that we were once a people without hope and without God. And now we have a God and father, Yes. not just a God, but we have a father, one who's going to love us and take care of us. And I think God, yes, he is founder, but he's father too. Yes. That we can cry out to him, Abba father. So regardless of what your upbringing or background may be, we want to hammer this point home. No matter what kind of relationship you had with an earthly father or whether you ever knew your father or whether you consider the idea of father to bring some sort of pain or bad memories to you. God is an everlasting father. He's a good, good father. And if you accept his son, Jesus Christ, and what he accomplished on the cross of Christ and put your trust in him, you will have a new father, one who will never pass away, who can give you all things. Yeah. Any closing thoughts, Anita, before we close? Next week, we have episode four. That's right. Prince of Peace. We'll be talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Folks, we thank you for listening to the Reaching In podcast. Please like, comment, share, subscribe. We'd love to get to 100 subscribers before the end of the year. But hey, that's just something that'd be cool. Um, continue to keep pressing on and, and keep, keep reaching, reaching in. in. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you were engaged and encouraged. If you're hungry for more content, check out our ongoing Old and New Testament teachings available on our app or through our website, calvarynn.church, and follow us on social media. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the Reaching In podcast belong solely to those individuals themselves and do not necessarily reflect the views of Calvary Chapel, Newport News.